0: This is the Zero to Hear podcast. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? On tonight's show, CFL Center, O-Lineman, Alex Matias. Uh, College career took him to the States. He was at Penn State for a year and uh, finished his college career at University of Connecticut. Uh, He was the number one pick in the CFL draft in 2015 we go into quite a bit of detail on differences between the CFL and NFL game and his thoughts on how skilled the CFL guys are and why the CFL is not as publicized as the NFL. Obviously, the Canadian population is very different than the American population. And that's a big one. Uh, Obviously, the NFL has a ton of marketing dollars, but uh, interesting to hear his perspective on the two leagues. We chat a lot about Obviously, you guys know my sports background uh, growing up. We chat a lot about uh, how important sports is, uh, has been for us growing up, the life lessons and skills that we've learned through sports, and talk a lot about his uh, CFL career and what sports has kind of taught him and how he's grown as a professional. One of the, my big questions for him was, um, what do guys, do professional athletes talk about life after in his case, football. A lot of their careers end at 29, 30, 32 years old. And obviously they still have a lot of life left. So interesting to hear his perspective and get an inside scoop on that. He is a uh, very entertaining dude. This was a very fun podcast. Hope you enjoy it. Let us know your thoughts. If you are enjoying what you hear on the show, hit your subscribe button, leave us a review. We would love to hear from you. I just got back from the wicked hike. It was six days.
1: Really? It, was, uh, it was the West
0: Coast Trail. That's, that One. beard's six days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I started clean shaven and I love it. So many people comment on Carl's beard. I love it. <laughs> you, even on
1: the trail, I was getting lots.
0: Were you? Really? Eh? Not about your height, eh? Did you grow the no. beard specifically to hide the fact that you're 6'8". To Uh, hide my weak chin.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Who's testing your chin? (laughs) (laughs) Doing a great job.
0: Alex, thanks for joining us tonight, buddy. Thanks so much for having me. I am pretty excited. There's a lot of shit I want to talk to you about. I'm looking forward to hearing all the points. In town for three nights? Three nights, yeah. Yeah. Alex is the, well, one of the best linemen in the CFL, according to me you too kind, too <laughs> kind. The starting center for the Ottawa Red Blacks. You've been there your whole CFL career, correct? Yes, I five have. Five years? Yeah, it's going You're on five? five this year right now. Before we get into football, because of course we're going to talk about football, you cabbed over here today. Yes, I did. And you made a snarky comment about the cab system in Vancouver. I would love, you to, share your, I would love uh, to share your experience, because I have some very strong opinions about the cab system.
2: All I know is that I would just attribute, (laughs) I would attribute that comment to, um, you know, being spoiled with Uber in Ottawa. Isn't Um, that ridiculous? It's so convenient. And it's just crazy that now, like, I don't even have the patience for 10, 15 minutes. Uh, So it's not necessarily on the cab. (laughs) I'll let it out. I'll let it out because you always got to complain about something else. It's never you, but it's just me getting used to Uber.
0: Did you call a cab company or did you flag one?
2: I tried calling, but they're just busy. So I just flagged one.
0: Maybe because it's raining, it's a little busier. How many drove past you?
2: Probably 25,
0: 30. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah. we. Do you know that we have Uber coming now? I did not know that. September 15th. That's Mm -hmm. like three days away. There's a few restrictions on it over here. There's some ridiculous restrictions. So they announced this like a month or two ago, but then they're like, but wait, you have to have a commercial driver's license in order to be an Uber driver. Whatever, it's class four, I think it is. Yeah. So you have, so a normal person can't drive like in most cities and states. Yeah. You have to have a commercial license. So you have to go back and do another road test to get a commercial license. That takes away the convenience <laughs> of like the whole reason of Uber. Yeah. <laughs> so instead of everyone having the opportunity to be an Uber driver as whatever, you now, now they've limited it to what? 0.3% of the population. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my God. <laughs>
2: gonna be like harder to get an uber than it is to get a cab then exactly
1: well they're just trying to do stuff whatever to protect the taxi industry which is so so whack
2: i mean like i don't know how much is going like how much um, business the taxi industry is getting but i don't know if it's worth saving something that's like dying and it's not going to get any more convenient they really got to figure something out but uber works Uber's just convenient
0: i just don't understand why they pick the cab industry to like have a big stand against like <clears throat> They didn't save bookstores when Amazon came, you know? Yeah. Like, why Why is it the cab companies that they're so like, healthy Politics. to fight, it, fight with?
1: There's lots of polit- politicians mm-hmm. that are on their side just fighting for it. And that's the biggest thing right now. Are there There's still, like, is the taxi situation, like, completely dead in Toronto, Ontario? Are they still around, or?
2: Um, there are definitely taxis and cabs still around. Yeah. Um, but there are Ubers everywhere, and I, mm-hmm. I mean... There's very few people that would cab. I know that at the uh, couple of years ago when they first introduced Uber, all the uh, like the taxi drivers were causing serious problems at the airport because people were getting Ubers to the airport. Like taxi guys, there's videos of them putting like bricks through bricks <laughs> through like, Uber's windows. I remember, yeah, it's too much. Like, that's how's, just,
0: it, how's that going to help you and your <laughs> image, right?
2: I have no clue. It definitely doesn't help them at all.
0: How many taxi drivers do you think are now Uber drivers? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question. I bet a lot switched over because I was in New York a couple of years ago, and obviously we'd just use Uber to go everywhere, and so we'd like stand outside waiting for the Uber. <laughs> Whatever on your app it says like two minutes away, so you go outside, and we'd just like watch cabs go by with their lights on, just waiting for the Uber now. Oh, uh, so it's hilarious, right?
2: Yeah, uh, In in New York, especially if like they do have cabs that are available, but I just. I also think it's the convenience of like ride sharing. Like that's, Mm -hmm. that's fantastic. If you're going out like with your friends or leaving a party or anything like that, you can share a ride, Mm -hmm. split the fee, Mm -hmm. like a couple button, you know, amazing.
1: Also, if you have a bad driver, right, you can rate them low and it actually sticks. What, what's their option right now? You get a, you get a shitty taxi driver, you call the company, it's probably his friend or whatever, right? Nothing's going to happen. There's no accountability.
0: I've got into a cab downtown Vancouver and they ask you where you want to go. And I say, well, I live in Burnaby. And they're like, get out. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I'm like, it's 15 minutes away. They're like, no, get out.
2: The cab driver that I got gave me that look when I stepped in. He was like, is that
0: uh, Vancouver?
2: I don't think so. <laughs> a long pause. <laughs> I had to puff my chest a little bit and make sure I stayed in the cab. But both cab drivers and Uber drivers that I've had have, for the most part, been terrible. Like drivers.
0: Uber drivers too? As a from, driver, from my as a I'm not keeping any data,
2: but yeah, uh, as drivers, okay.
0: Because usually the Uber drivers are pretty friendly.
2: They're pretty friendly, but the quality of their driving is,
0: <laughs> doesn't
2: uh, sync up.
0: Fair enough. Uh, I only want to bring this up because it was announced today. We don't have to talk about it long. Uh, more so, I just want to hear your guys' opinions. Have do you own a home? Yes, I do. You do. Okay, so Trudeau announces today as part of his scheme to try to get re-elected. Obviously, affordable housing in the major cities in Canada is difficult to come by. Vancouver, Toronto, specifically. So he's come out with this affordable housing, whatever it's called. And part of it is, first-time buyer program, up to, I think, $800,000 or something like that. The uh, Canadian government will now put up to 10% into your down payment. Wow. But, but, so they'll give you up to 10% of 800K, but they will own that percentage of the house. So eventually down the line, you have to buy them out? I don't know. I I, I didn't, it was like pretty brief, the article that I read, but when you sell the house down the road, they're going to get 10% of the sale. So to me, as someone who knows... A fair amount about real estate. I'm just seeing this as like a backwards initiative for them to be involved in the crazy housing market. Mm-hmm. Right?
2: Oh, I would see that definitely. I mean, yeah.
0: like they're, they're, they understand that housing in the major cities in Canada is on the rise, in my opinion, long term. And so this is just a way for them to get their foot in the door take advantage of climbing markets like i don't understand how anyone would see this as a good idea
2: i don't see it as a good idea at all i mean it's just the first time i've heard about it but like would me, you just, give
0: up 10 percent of your house
2: <laughs> not at all to me it just sounds like an investment exactly if i could buy 10 percent of someone else's house that'd be
0: yeah. ideal <laughs> exactly
2: i don't have to put up all the capital i get a little bit of equity in it like
0: yeah interesting it's wild right mm-hmm. how is that beneficial for young people
1: I guess if you're like desperate for a house and you need that last little bit, but then you kind of screw yourself over long term,
0: but just put less percent, less down. Like, I don't, 10% is pretty significant. For sure. I, I mean, if, and I'm not like discounting the amount of money, it's a lot of money. It's just like, I, I wouldn't want to give up 10% of my house to think, a crown corporation. Like,
2: <laughs> <laughs> if I think about, uh, if I think about like the people in our age are like, uh, you know, my friends that are struggling to find affordable housing Mm -hmm. in the city. um, I think priority for most would be to take the financial help as opposed to worrying about the government having 10% of your house. I would think so. Just especially like the people at our age that really just want a home Mm -hmm. and a couple years out of university, you know, like late 20s, early 30s. um, I think it's maybe more of like a, Thinking priority for the short term as opposed to the long term.
0: My thought is let's say I'm a young person wanting to buy a five hundred thousand dollar condo in Vancouver. The difference between a five hundred thousand dollar condo and a five hundred and fifty thousand dollar condo is not that significant. So why would I sell quote unquote sell 10% of what I'm purchasing just to buy something a touch nicer? Mm. You know what I mean? Definitely. Like if, if, if I'm looking to buy real estate, I likely have some savings. I likely have a decent job. I am able to get financing. Why would I take $50,000 from the government, sell 10% of my home to them, and buy something that is slightly nicer? I have no clue. Right? I, so that's the way I look at it. Mm. Sure, it'd be, it'd be great to have $50,000 extra, but the quality of home that you're buying in a city like Vancouver for five to five fifty is pretty small.
2: I feel like in Vancouver, especially like you know from our conversations in the value of housing up here is insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's quite high. Um, so I think like ten percent isn't a huge difference. but I know from like my experience buying my home in Ottawa, like mm-hmm. residential Ottawa, um, there was actually a difference between homes that were uh, you know, four fifty and five
0: hundred. Sure, like a couple extra renovations, and or maybe and so just on. gets you into a slightly better neighborhood or whatever, closer to the city or whatever. Yeah, but I mean, if this is available for who's it going to be available for? First, first time homebuyers. If I read it correctly, it said first time buyers, and I think the number, the cutoff number, was like eight hundred k. I mean, interesting. I, I don't know.
2: Would you? Do they have to own your house until you sell it? Like, I wonder if there was like a way that you could get out of that. It didn't like, it's say just like anything about
0: help? that. Like, it didn't say anything about buying them out in the future. Because I assume if you did that in like three years after owning it, you would have to come up with some market value of your home at that time and pay them ten percent of that,
2: mm-hmm. something
0: like that. I'm not sure, but it just seems funny that like they're going to be on title now. <sighs> so it's going to be like Alex and. <laughs> Trudeau, <laughs> like, <I don't> know. <laughs> Trudeau. <laughs> uh, interesting
2: and I wonder um, I wonder who's going to use that I wouldn't want to give away a piece of my house
0: neither would I Yeah.
2: and then so then would everyone that uses this benefit have to use like a government like a government certified or like an appraiser from them—that's well, the thing, right? Can you so, even use your own guys, or is it all of a sudden now everything that's involved with your house has well, to go through certain checklists? Do they right.
1: send someone over every once in a while to check up on their
3: house?
0: <laughs> and that's where it gets sketchy too—is like if you use this program, you have to use RBC, or you have to use right. this whatever, right? So then there's maybe some back end uh, deals with that kind of stuff too.
2: It
1: just seems like a quick fix, kind of like yeah, we'll help you, but they benefit so much on the other side. Mm-hmm.
2: I don't think a lot of people are going to be having this conversation about the negative aspects of this. I think a lot of people are just going to take so advantage too. of it.
1: Hey, free money! Just,
2: <laughs> yeah, free money. Short term, especially if it if it gets you like a four bedroom as opposed to two. Yeah, you're, I know in Ottawa, if your lot's like, you know, an extra fifty fifty feet one way. Um, that sounds terrible though. I don't don't ever want to get in that
0: get involved. It's like it's pretty new. So, I haven't really talked with many people about it. Mm. I'm, curious that's what, I'm curious to see what other people think. It's federal, yeah.
2: How's yeah. that going to affect
1: you guys?
0: Like, I don't
1: think it will at all. No I. What about mortgage guys just an extra step for them?
0: I, I like it's so, it's not even in yet. It's right. just like he said, if we get voted in again, oh, that's this splint. is going to be uh, part of our plan for affordable housing.
2: Oh, so many people are going to use that. Everything. Yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh.
0: If, Interesting. I were, if, okay. if I were him it's not a bad because as soon as I heard it I thought this is bullshit why would anyone use this how would you fix affordable housing
1: <laughs> if we were going to vote Danny Dumont build more shit
0: <laughs> and uh, speed up the fucking permit process in Vancouver yeah. to, get a, to get a building permit in Vancouver right now take a wild guess how long it takes 6 months? 12 to, <laughs> 12 to 18 months oh my
1: god that's so unnecessary right? Jeez, people, why is that? People are waiting two years to get, add an addition
0: to their house or whatever. <clears throat> yeah. So like How's the it? rezoning process is a nightmare. Like trying to put six, eight, ten pieces of land together and build condos is just a gong show. So you need to build more. Like we're, unfortunately, for a lot of people that have been in Vancouver for a long time and don't want to see more condos, too bad. It's a city that's growing. Too bad. Move to fucking Chilliwack. I don't know. You can live in a single family neighborhood out there, but look at any big city in North America. Look at downtown Toronto. Where where are their single family homes? Nowhere. It's not the place for them. Look. Where? What about in New York? Where? Where are their single family homes? (laughs) Get over it. Get over it. (laughs) It's already going in this direction. It just needs to go quicker.
2: Then why does the pro- why does the permit process take so long? Is it because of all like the rezoning and they need to make sure that everything?
1: Carl, I think it's just incompetence, man. <laughs> <The> <laughs> Vancouver
2: Housing Board. Like you hear horror
1: stories all the time. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's what it is, and they mm-hmm. just blame foreigners.
2: <laughs> just blame foreigners. There mm-hmm. we go.
1: It's A good headline.
0: Part of the one of the other things he had on this uh, article thing, or this that I read today, was that he wants to put a one percent. Uh, vacancy tax for anyone who's not a Canadian citizen across Canada. So right now it's only in like the major cities that have these vacancy taxes. So Vancouver has one. I think it's 2%, I think. I know Toronto put one in. I don't know if anyone else has one right now. Victoria might. Uh, But he wants to put it across Canada too. How do you feel about that? Well, Vancouver already has it, so it's really not going to change anything here. I just think like My gut feel on the first impression is it's slightly racist. So is this the image that we want as Canadians to have to the rest of the world? Is that, oh, we're the friendly, really nice country, but if you have different color skin. We don't like you. Like, you're going to pay more to live here if you have different color skin. Like, it just seems silly to me. Like, he's talking about bringing all these refugees over and paying for them to live here, but they can't own homes?
2: That's interesting. I think that in like if it's a big city, maybe it makes a little more sense. So like it's but to make it completely across Canada, I don't understand why you wouldn't want to promote or like have other people move to rural areas or you know try to expand other like less populated places in Canada.
0: Don't we want that? I agree. I don't know. I oh, I'm, I'm just like a lot of this is, it comes out of like Sure, housing market in Toronto and Vancouver blew up in the last couple of years, 2016 and 17. So they're just like, oh no, Canadians are upset that the market's going up so fast. They're saying that there's too many Chinese people coming to Vancouver. We need to do something to stop this. Where they're not really doing much research. They're not really asking anyone in, uh, in Vancouver. They're just like, oh, okay, well, some people are saying there's too many Chinese people in Vancouver. Let's put a foreign buyer tax out there. <laughs> Jeez, and the way that they release that those taxes too are just absolute craziness the foreign buyer tax they give us 4 or 5 days notice no way so it, was in, it was in July 2016 and it literally they just announced saying oh uh, by the way uh, starting Monday which was like 5 days later <laughs> there's going to be a 15% tax on any deal that closes that the buyer is not a Canadian citizen or resident of Canada Fifteen. Fifteen percent. So we had to wow. mo- we had to move a couple conditions up to that week.
2: Oh I mean that's a pretty pretty smart decision.
1: I mean like fifteen percent of one and a half million dollars. Like yeah. that's serious money. I had oh a deal god, that was man. three
0: over three point two. Yeah. That was closing like end of August that we had to move up to the end of July Otherwise to that, avoid this fifteen percent. That would have
1: been four hundred thousand dollars.
0: Otherwise the buyer just wouldn't have come. They're like, oh fuck it, I'll just walk away. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> And so, is that, is that still applied? Yeah, it moved up to 20%. <laughs> Last year, they put it up to 20%. you are jumping through hoops, man, just to continue doing what you're doing. Yeah. Oh, like, God, man. we don't work with a lot just because of our demographic. We're like Canadian people that were born and raised here that speak English. Mm-hmm. So most of who we deal with is like people that live here. Yeah. So we don't deal with it very often, but we had that one deal that we had to move up when they announced that tax and we had four days to do it. Yeah. Did you guys got it done? We got it done. <laughs> it's stressful? I, oh, absolutely it was, because it was a big deal. Jeez. Um, and the lawyers, usually to close on a house, the lawyer will charge you like 1000 to $1,500. I think both parties probably paid five grand, just because they're like, ah, we're pretty busy because a lot of people are doing this, so we'll do it at this price. <laughs> and you are allowed to. to.
2: Yeah. Yeah, they have to. You have to. I'd do the same if I were them. <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy.
0: I think that one of the guys that we used said he did more deals in that week than like the previous two months or something like that. Like, it was crazy. Do you, do you know how, like what the percentage of homes in
1: BC that were sold or bought by residents versus foreigners?
0: I know what the media was telling everyone. Yeah. And my, I don't know if anyone has stats on that, <clears throat> but my thought is that it was Ten percent of what they actually said it was. Yeah, like it was pretty low. That's ten I mean.
2: percent of what they said.
0: Jeez. like they were saying it was upwards of ten percent. No, there's no way of greater Vancouver real estate transactions in 2016 that were bought by people that didn't live in Canada, and it, that is an absolute ridiculous number. I, I would have said maybe one percent.
2: Really, that's 10% it? Eh? Is okay. High. Oh,
0: that, I don't know how you can come up with that number. Just take it out of nowhere. It was just like all the luxury markets, right? Mm-hmm. So like West yeah. Vancouver happened a lot. West side of Vancouver happened a lot. Maybe like super luxury condos downtown. But that's such a small percentage of yeah, actual real estate transactions. Mm-hmm. And we had maybe three in that one year out of 160 deals. Like, So it's just Vancouver
1: blaming foreigners. <laughs>
2: <laughs> all I, know, I do know that. I've heard that before.
0: Yeah. Just In Vancouver, blame all the foreigners. No. <laughs> <laughs> let's move on <laughs> uh obviously you're a professional football player, but are you a football fan?
2: I've never been asked that before. well done um, <laughs> i am I, I would say that I have grown into a football fan, yeah uh, the more that I learn the sport and the more that I play, the more that uh, I respect it greatly uh the schemes and you know uh the different you know, plays that you can run, defense, the way you work together, the discipline, the way that, you know, the fact that the team is 50 some players, Mm -hmm. another 10 coaches, another 10, 15 staff, everyone's got to work together. Um, So I've fallen in love with the game Mm -hmm. itself. Uh, I do think the culture around football is um, like very Western culture, you know, Uh, there's when there's 70 plays on offense for one team, there's a lot of stop and starts and that provides a lot of opportunity for commercials. Um, mm. But uh, I've definitely grown into uh, to love the sport. I do not watch it uh, as much as I should. Um, but I keep it on the background a little bit more and more uh, these days.
0: Do you watch NFL? I watch a little bit of
2: NFL, no, but either. now that I've been in the CFL and I've been watching a lot of CFL film, I feel like my eyes are more used to the CFL game so mm. I can read it a little better. Um, And it was the same thing when I came from college up to the CFL. I was just used to watching American football. So it took a little bit of time to kind of get used to the CFL game. What was the biggest difference for you
1: between the two games?
0: Carl, that was the question I was going to ask. (laughs) Love
2: it, guys. You guys are on the same page. (laughs) Um, The biggest difference for me was the yard on the line of scrimmage. Totally. Um, When I first got down to the States... uh, I mean, I never really grew up uh, very like physical or I did judo for a couple of years, but I was never like a violent kid, which football is a violent sport. <laughs> um, so when I first got down to the States, uh, the contact and being physical, I really had a tougher time with. So the way that I kind of made up for that uh, was my speed. So because in, in the US, the defensive lineman's right on the ball, as a center, I was able to snap the ball, take my pass set and at least get one hand on the of defensive player before he can move so at least Mm. it gives me a little bit of an advantage Mm. so I started to get comfortable with that in the states and that was really working working out for me and then I got drafted to the CFL where I could not do that anymore Uh, so I had to find a new way to use my skills to kind of you know dominate up here and do well Um, so it took a little bit of time to find a little bit of patience and to learn the timing but after a few years I definitely uh, I think I found it
0: Is there any of the different rules? Obviously, you grew up playing American rules and then played four years in the States. Is there any rules in the Canadian League that you don't like?
2: So I'm a football player (laughs) where I play offensive line and you tell me how to play (laughs) offensive line. (laughs) I don't have any time to concern about what plays were challenging, an interception or cutting or this and that. I kind of just... Whatever the rules are that year, I try and follow it because that's where I need to put all my effort. If I were to say one rule that I'm not a big fan of... Um,
0: <laughs> Good, because that was a very politically correct answer. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, the only rule that I uh, you know, have a grievance with is uh, one that affects me. So cut blocking downfield for an offensive lineman. Mm. So for anyone that's listening, a screen in football is when the offensive line will roll out to the flat or they'll roll out to the open side of the field and they try and run downfield and block a defensive back. So an offensive lineman's usually 300 pounds. Defensive back's usually 180. (laughs) (laughs) So in open space, we uh, are a little mismatched. So in the past, we had the opportunity of, uh, instead of trying to get in front of them, standing up or while running, we could kind of just run full speed and dive at their knees. Uh, And we can't do that anymore. Uh, so, so I missed that. It's unfortunate now on film, you always see these 300 pound offensive linemen just lumbering down the field, not doing anything, <laughs> <laughs> not hitting his soul. <laughs> so it, I missed that.
0: Is that a CFL change? Or was that NFL versus, or sorry, uh, American versus CFL rules?
2: Um, I think, I don't know when they banned that rule in the States, but as of now, I think in both leagues, oh, oh, you okay. can't do it
0: anymore. I'm. Um, I grew up mostly watching NFL and obviously playing high school football here is American football or American rules. The one thing I never really understood is why you get a, you get like an eighth place medal. I kind of say for missing a field goal, like you tried really hard, you missed, we'll just give you one point. Interesting. But at the end of the game, it does make for some entertaining, um, whatever, whatever, whatever you want to call it, action let's say if someone misses a field goal, then that guy's like trying to punt it out of the end zone. <laughs> then someone's punting it back in the end zone. Those are always hilarious. When it's like a tied game or a one point game or something like that at the end, but that rule, I never really understood why you get one point for not succeeding. <laughs> for not
2: succeeding one point. I, um, I like the fact that it brings in a little bit of uh, like strategy. Mm-hmm. Um, But I feel like there's way too much strategy for this one point that you're, like, fighting for when you should have gotten three. Sure. Uh, So, like, we spend time on how to, you know, deal with that scenario. But Mm -hmm. uh, I I don't mind too much, except I just don't enjoy trying to explain it to Americans why it looks so silly. (laughs) (laughs) Just kicking the ball back and forth. (laughs) They're Like, what is this? Every single year we have, like, 15, 20 new Americans that are just losing their minds. Like, no, it's a respectable league, I swear. Um, <laughs> one rule that I find interesting that's a little controversial um, with like old football, old football fans is, have you guys heard of the new rule that you can't rat kill anymore? No. Um, so for anyone listening, <laughs> rat kill is pretty much if you are going towards your own uh, end zone and you it's a peel back block and you hit someone uh, which ends up being like a blind side. So that's a lot of like the scenarios where they people are getting hit and they're not uh, you can't see anyone because you're mm-hmm. chasing the ball and so they've they've uh, they've taken that out of the game significantly and sometimes like guys will lean their shoulder a little bit to make a little bit of a football play because you still have to do your job you don't just want to stand there but they're getting flags so uh, you know people are having a really tough time with that and old football fans don't like that because they feel like it kind of makes the game soft. Mm-hmm. How do you guys feel about that?
0: So. The rule is if you're running towards your own end zone, if you're running backwards, yes. Probably takes a lot of injuries away. Like those guys that are chasing the football with their head sideways and they're just getting absolutely killed probably aren't getting up too quickly. You're completely Right? right. Completely. So, obviously, football, one of the biggest problems is football in football in the last 10 years is how do we avoid concussions and injury? How do we prolong the life of our players (laughs) and so i think you have to take steps in those directions like the nfl obviously has gotten so careful about how quarterbacks are hit right you can't roll on them you can't like you can't land on them all this stuff you can't hit them below the knee or something like that whatever it is i don't know i i think they're probably steps in the right direction i'm sure there's a big gray area of when someone's running kind of on a sideline Right, yep. and just hit someone with their shoulder. They're not trying to kill them. They're just trying to steer them offline, and they're getting flagged for it. So people are probably getting upset about that. It's probably it was for the same in the NFL when they changed the, the quarterback stuff and like falling on mm-hmm. quarterbacks. Remember? Yep. Mm-hmm. It was How like the first that? three games there was like ninety-seven
1: flags. Yep. Clay Matthews had a big and problem no with one. That. Yeah,
0: people were like, "Do I not even tackle him?" And there was a bunch of YouTube videos about like. <laughs> how you're <laughs> supposed to sack a quarterback now? Yeah, I, saw, I saw a few of those. <laughs> and one guy was doing them with his wife, I think. Yeah. And he just like basically gave her a hug and then just walked away and said, I'm so sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs>
2: I I don't, I, I, I'm i always for protecting the players, especially my background. Totally. Um, You know, soccer, basketball, judo. Uh, I mean, it's always been, uh, you know, not as reckless, I mm. guess, as football could be. Um. But I know that when they changed the rules on sacking the quarterback, that some of the defensive linemen were complaining because, because they weren't following through on a tackle. Didn't like one or two guys get injured or they twisted their knee because they were avoiding mm-hmm. it being a dirty hit. I mean, if a if a rule really compromises your job like that, I, that would be tough to deal with and to work around. But that's it, th-
0: that's the thing in sports is like when you're not going full speed is usually when you get injured. Exactly. Right? So if you're exactly. trying to pull up as you're going into a tackle, it's probably not very healthy for you
2: so it's i feel bad for those players but um if i think of uh, football staying around for as long as possible i do know that it's a very dangerous sport Mm. but uh now i absolutely love it and i don't think that you can there's as much as i love all sports there isn't any sport out there that you learn as much as as many life lessons as you would in playing football so if it helps if the rules are being changed for player safety to allow football to stay around in our lives and our mm. culture a little longer, then I'm okay with that. I'm mm. fine. I feel like the physical courage is, is, isn't is the most important thing. Do you feel like the CFL is underappreciated? I do think the CFL is underappreciated. For sure. Um, it's also hard to say because Canada is relatively a small country. Totally. Um, so there is only, you know, there's so much of a fan base that's available, especially being that hockey's are. Uh, main sport but Mm -hmm. it's a really good football uh especially when you see a lot of guys from the nfl come up here and uh you know you get a range of all kind of players a lot of guys uh you know struggle to get used to the game up here Mm -hmm. they don't really understand the schemes maybe it's a little too complex uh but there are also you know guys that come up here and compete but uh i can't really think of any that have come up and completely you know embarrassed everyone else or really isn't a big difference in talent so the cfl is definitely an underappreciated league and the difference in each team's fan base is uh you know it's not consistent so it'd be nice if that was a little more
0: consistent across the board you mentioned nfl guys coming here it seems like it's difficult to cross leagues
2: sometimes (laughs) people have a tough time with it
0: there's probably not many cases of people going from cfl to nfl that have like done really well Cam Wake is probably one of them recently, right? I don't know any others recently, like in the last five years maybe. Mm-hmm. And it- that, But then it's curious. So like obviously the NFL has a lot more money. They spend a lot more money marketing. It's a crazy big league. But you don't see a lot of success from the guys coming the other way from the NFL. Well, most of them are getting kicked out of the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> like uh, Ricky Williams and uh, what was that white quarterback? Uh, guy's name. Johnny Manziel? Yeah, Johnny uh, Manziel. He was the last couple of years. Yeah. But they don't have success in the CFL either. No. Is it just that different of a game that it's tough to cross?
2: Um, I think honestly the the biggest thing is that those are the only players that you're necessarily hearing about. Sure. So to, to shed a little bit of light on the structure of a CFL team, uh, half the roster has to be Canadian half has to be American, Mm -hmm. so it's you know it's pretty even in that sense. But of the starting offense and defense, so twelve on offense, twelve on defense, twenty-four players, only seven have to be Canadian. Okay, so it is predominantly an American league. So you might not hear about all the players that come up and you know do well, uh, but there are there are a lot of them. Okay, because the game is primarily played by Americans. Um, and there have been a few guys that have come, gone from the CFL to the NFL. Deontay Spencer, okay. he was with Ottawa last year, and then he was with the Steelers. Got cut. He's with the Broncos now. Um, I hope he continues to do well, and I hope they keep him there. But I can't really think of any like big names that have necessarily gone down there and been like franchise players. Or um, we have Canadian players that have you know either played CIS football mm-hmm. or NCAA football that have stayed down there and done quite well, mm-hmm. uh, which is very promising. But at the same time, you kind of want that talent up in here in Canada.
0: Do you like those Canadian rules that you have to have? What is it, twenty-one guys on the team or something like that? Uh,
2: So yeah, so like half the teams, half the teams Canadian, then like seven of the twenty-four. Like, um, I'm okay with those rules. I mean, I haven't been around Mm -hmm. long enough to to have seen like over the past few CBA arrangements how Mm -hmm. it's changed. Um, but with this year's new CBA. Trying to figure out the ratio issues and how much, how many opportunities Canadians should be given or Americans that has been interesting um, because we all have opinions on what we think is best for ourselves. Um,
0: my so. only thought is like, why does it matter? Why does it matter if you're from Jamaica or the States or Canada or wherever? Like, <clears throat> why isn't a sporting league just built around the best talent? It's a good question, right?
2: Um I mean I I almost don't want to say it but I do think that part of it is just to secure spots for Canadian players sure because I think in the sport of football especially the fact that the you know there's pretty much only two countries in the on the planet that play it mm-hmm. uh and then you know Canada 35 36 million people and then the US where it's 350 or 360 yeah. and they're absolutely insane with football down there mm-hmm. I just think based on the numbers that they would kind of come up and take over um so I'm, I'm okay with it in that sense. But for other sports, I do think that they're, I mean, if you can come from all around the world and mm. there are other leagues where you can yourself go play, but in fact, there's only CFL and NFL. Um, and I'm Canadian. <laughs> Let's keep these Canadian spots because I'm enjoying getting paid.
0: <laughs> uh, where
3: did I want to go from there? I don't know.
0: Why am I drawing a blank? well I guess we can cut out this awkward pause I don't know let's um, oh why, why do you think the CFL is underappreciated why do you think it is known as a second tier league even though necessarily the talent isn't second tier but why is it like, why are budgets so much bigger in the NFL? Why are TV rates so much bigger in the NFL? Why are guys getting paid $7 million versus a similar talent in the CFL getting paid 150 k? Mm-hmm.
2: Um, I mean, I think the fan base uh, is also affected. Mm. The fact that it's, you know, America's favorite sport in the States. Mm. Uh, I think that that's a big factor. Um, and the production value in Canada. I mean every time i watch a cfl game and i see the logos plastered all over the field <laughs> i know it's necessary and i like you know the more you understand it's you know you have to have it there but i think it kind of cheapens our image um yeah i think that's that's a factor as well the way we kind of brand the cfl and it's just canada and i mean the way the u.s does everything is just so extreme so much showmanship and flash uh i also think it's um, football is a sport where you can, where it can consume people. Absolutely, uh, and you're you're you can consume it easier, or you're you know you're stuck in football if it's the only thing that you like to do. If you don't really have other options, um, if I'm saying this uh, correctly, I feel like in Canada there is a little more freedom, there's a little more activity. I feel like. People are a little more open-minded just, you know, our policies and immigration and what we have available and Mm -hmm. education as well. That's a lot more affordable. Whereas I feel like in the States there are options or or for middle to lower class, there are a lot less options. So Mm -hmm. I feel like it's easier to kind of get consumed with football and just spend all your money, time just into that. Um, So I feel like from a culture standpoint, football kind of takes away from maybe people's opportunity to find their own happiness or individuality. Hmm. Uh, but it does help with the sponsorship money in the States, and that I think that's probably a factor.
0: It's absolutely just built into the culture. Like, you watch... I don't know if you've watched any of the Netflix, like, uh, high school football shows. Have you? <laughs> uh, i watched a the couple few. of them are legit. Oh,
2: well, which ones are you... Which ones...
0: Uh, well, the new one that I, like, I'm one season through is... I think it's called QB1. Okay, I'll check that out. It's high, It's, like, following... There's, I don't know. It's obviously following quarterbacks. QB is the name of the show. (laughs) There's like four quarterbacks, and it kind of follows their senior year. So it shows a couple of the big games. It shows kind of the behind the scenes. Shows them getting recruited and like picking schools and all that kind of stuff. But just the culture, how obsessed with football they are from like grade nine high school. It's just, it's just built around. And if you're a good football player in high school, you're a celebrity already. As 100%. like a thirteen, fourteen, fifteen year old, it's crazy.
1: The whole town usually comes out for the Friday night Friday games, night, right? Like get like five, pop, six yeah. thousand.
0: Uh, there was a couple of games that they showed that a couple of the top two schools in the uh, high schools ranked mm-hmm. in the state in all of the U.S. played against each other, and there's like fifteen thousand people that go.
2: Uh, fifteen thousand. I wouldn't be surprised if there was more.
0: There might be bigger games in yeah, Texas totally. and stuff. In Texas, sure. I totally. know that.
2: Uh, I know that when I went to Penn State, they had a local team in Happy Valley, a high school team. Yeah. They were pulling 10,000 people, no problem. Again, really? Like, easily. Right. Uh, whether it was a home game for us, like, for the Nittany Lions or not, it's just crazy. Like, they just love it so much. And um, I just don't understand how, even though, like, a high school player can have so much uh, so much fame, attention, but they can be so one-dimensional as a person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't want to comment on it because I haven't met every football player out there. I'm not. Yeah. I don't want to just judge. Yeah. You know what I mean. But just looking at trends and you know, being, playing in the states, playing in Canada, um, I think it's unfortunate because I try to compare it to my experience playing uh, soccer. So I played pretty competitively and uh, traveled around Europe a little bit. Played in Romania for a bit. Played cool. in southern France and. One time we, I was there for a tournament for like 14 days or whatever. When I was a kid, I must have been like, you know, 12 or 13. But there was a 12-year-old kid that was staying at this facility for a professional team, for like one of the feeder teams. And he was living on his own, going to school on his own. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, clearly at 12 years old, he's being picked up already by a professional football player. But, I mean, I don't know. They, it doesn't consume them over there. It's, you know, soccer players, I'm sure it's important, but... You know, that doesn't completely identify who they are. Totally. I think that's maybe because, you know, socially in the U.S., if you're a if you're an athlete, you can kind of get away with anything. You're a little bit of a demigod, and it's false. But uh, if it helps sell tickets, uh, then that's great. But I don't know if I'm willing to sacrifice the culture we have up in Canada for for a couple extra bucks, or just, you know, to have a little bit more you know, promotional value in CFL. Mm.
1: How much? How much do you think the rule differences hurt the CFL?
2: I wonder. Um, the rule, I, h- how it affects like fans, how they watch it, I or how like, like, players if an, assimilate. If
1: an American just tunes in and starts watching the CFL and he sees like the three downs, the wider fields, all that, how do you think that affects the game?
2: Now that you say it, I would say I, I would think significantly. Mm. Uh, the way that I, the way that I kind of explained. Um, you know, going from NCAA, from the U.S. to Canada, getting used to that game. And then now when I watch NFL football, it isn't. I don't enjoy it as much. Mm. I can't blame, you know, uh, a culture that's grown up watching football the Mm. exact same way for, you know, however long. And then now they tune into Canadian football. I mean, right away off the bat, like you said, when you change the channel, it's cool. It's a different game. You don't Mm -hmm. really understand the waggles and... Different blitzes, the extra man, you know, added, adds the complexity to the game. Yeah,
1: mm-hmm. all the motion, all
0: the... the receivers running towards the line yeah. before the ball snapped. <laughs> <laughs>
2: so, you know what? I don't blame uh, anyone who looks at that and sees, you know, nonsense compared to American football. And I think it hurts, and that's unfortunate. Ooh. Good point.
1: So, why does the CFL do that? Why do they decide to keep these rules? And it's so weird because here in BC, we play with, NFL, like, high school as NFL rules. Yeah. But then you go over to Manitoba,
2: and it's CFL. Oh, I find that so unfortunate. You right? Because that's t- that's tough.
0: High school in Ottawa was what? What rules do you play? I seem to remember.
2: I think we were Canadian rules. Oh, really? Okay. I know. Th- I know that like
0: BC plays American rules in high school. Really? Football? Yeah.
2: I know that uh, some club football we played when we were younger it was American rules, but the older we got, it turned into Canadian. Mm, if really? I seem to remember correctly, okay. could be wrong though. Mm. Um, but it's unfortunate because I feel like if the rules were the same. Then it would be a lot more consistent. Maybe we get a you know a few more fans, especially with our schedule. I mean, Americans are hungry for football when it starts coming to you know the summer and June to
0: November. Yeah, June to November. So
2: they can they can get like an extra three four months of football in. Mm -hmm. Now that you say that, that's like (laughs) going through my head. I'm gonna start maybe pushing for rule changes, get some more fan base up here in CFL.
0: Because one of the things I was gonna ask you is like. How, how does the CFL gain more traction? Does it have more upside potential or is it limited because Canada is only 30 million people? Um, I think it's limited a little Cause, bit. Because I would assume that the viewership outside of Canada is super small. <laughs> so, one of the... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just assuming. I have no data to back that up. I'm assuming
2: as well, but I think you, I think you are pretty uh, spot on. Okay. <laughs> um... So one of the things this year uh, that was part of the agreement was trying to expand our league, mm-hmm. uh, like overseas and yeah. in Mexico. Um, I see that as a waste of resources. Mm. I mean, I don't know anyone that's really traveled around the world, kind of understands that the rest of the world has a little bit of disdain for you know Western culture, you know, one country more than another. <laughs> um, so, and I, and I mean, football's kind of you know wraps american culture or western culture up uh so i I don't think it's worth really pushing it anywhere else i think we kind of have to focus on like where we are now and try to make it engaging for the younger fans
0: totally you you mentioned well talking more about like growing up in the states and kids growing up in the states playing football but they're so one-dimensional do i'm always curious in professional sports it's 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 interesting as an outsider, someone who played sports growing up, understanding that if you pursue a professional sports career, your, your career ends pretty early in the scope of your life. Like early thirties is a pretty good football career. Oh, definitely. Right. If you're playing from whatever, 23 to 32, that's a long football career. Do you guys talk about like life after football? Is that a scary topic to talk about? Maybe less so in Canada. I know, uh, well, like one of my buddies plays in the NHL, and he's like, no one talks about it because they have no clue. Like hockey's been their entire life, from three years old to thirty-two, and then they, whatever, hurt their knees. They can't play anymore. They retire just because they're getting older, not as good, and they're just lost. They don't know what to do. Is that something like you guys talk about in the locker room?
2: Um, I think it changes. We, def- I mean, overall, no. Yeah. It's definitely not something we talk about. Um, you're here for football. You're here to play football. That's your your life right now. It's mm-hmm. always been your life. Um, I do think that it's different by position group. Yeah. Um, you know, personalities are pretty consistent when it comes to different position groups. Um, <laughs> so that's a you fair know, point. <laughs> uh, and then you know, with different personalities. It was like different aspirations, you know, some short term, some long term. Um, The older I get, the more that it is a conversation, at least within like the offensive line that I have. Um, We have like some amazing guys, Uh, phenomenal football players, but even, you know, better, better people. And uh, they've got a really, you know, they've got a lot of upside. And so, you know, we talk about it a little bit um, because I have a little bit of help, you know, trying to find, you know, some footing outside of football and prepare for afterwards. Um, but even like, you know, within our group, none of us really know much. Even if we start the conversation, I mean, how do you even really start it and where do you go? Like, mm-hmm. what do you enjoy doing? Lifting weights. <laughs> you know? uh, who do you want to work with? Uh athletes. <laughs> you know? Um, so it, it isn't a conversation that we have a lot, and it's something that I really do think should be there. Uh I've always kind of dreamed of maybe creating some sort of a curriculum. Uh, for football players to kind of maybe work on some skills. Um, there are a couple of business guys in Ottawa that have um, offered to put together like a little bit of like a booster group mm. for the team to totally. kind of provide some resources. So I've really like looked into working on that this year. But during the season, I don't know if it's like this with other sports, you just don't have any time. Mm. Like every week you're just beat up. You feel like you're so sore. You get yeah. like three, four days off, like three, four days until you mm-hmm. feel better. And then it's like a day or two until the next game, mm-hmm. so it really does consume you. Um, but we also don't really have anyone to kind of lead those conversations. Mm-hmm. But it's something that we should talk about because I have fallen in love with the uh, with the person that football creates. Going to school in the U.S. was a, a little difficult because getting to you know getting along, you know, being like a twenty year old Canadian. I feel like I've been pretty lucky around you know older people, mature this and that, and then all of a sudden I'm you know I'm a on a team with 120 Americans, younger kids. You know they've in high school they weren't allowed to, they didn't even have the opportunity to leave their school for lunch. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they haven't had any independence. It's just you know the way they were brought up. But now playing professional and see these guys come up from the U.S. and up here. Football's a oh, difficult sport to play. These are. Like the guys up here that can follow the rules and, you know, little things like going to meetings on time, following assignments, following the details. Like these are some of the most loyal guys you'll ever you'll ever find, hardworking, selfless. You know, like unbelievable teammates. And now that I'm getting used to a little bit more of the world outside of football, like these guys would be tremendous assets anywhere. But they just don't have the skills or guidance to be put there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and honestly, I feel like it's incredibly tragic because. You can go to any of the dudes on our team and we know whether they speak with, you know, Canadian English or super Southern drawl with, you know, few of the words spelt correctly. Mm-hmm. As a person, they're just incredible and could compete against anyone that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll see how it advances in the future.
0: I, I like, from an outsider's por- perspective again, I feel like a lot of... And correct me if I'm wrong, but you're kind of like mini celebrities in your city, right? So however many people come to games, 30,000 people. Is that accurate? I think that's Ottawa, kind of Ottawa, what the Lions Ottawa,
2: Yeah, Lions get around that. Yeah. I think Ottawa were consistent at 25.
0: Okay. So there's a lot of people coming to games every every week. Do you guys put much attention or effort into like building or leveraging personal brand off of that? So like building connections, networking with people, meeting business people throughout the city using that stardom celebrity dumb whatever you want to call it to like prepare themselves for life after or at least build connections for life after football
2: no no they don't and i think you know what i mean like wouldn't that be such a
0: valuable thing to do while you've got this celebrity status while you're like in the limelight a little bit
2: i mean the fact that i've had the chance to learn how to leverage that Mm -hmm. has been incredible i mean just the fact that you know when i was told that every time you email someone and you say your name they're probably going to Google you.
3: Hmm.
2: And I mean, right away there's a little bit of your resume. Um, so it's a tragedy that people aren't taking advantage of it, but it's even worse. The fact that they just don't know. I mean, right. when I bring up right. the opportunity to like speak to, you know, business, business people are charitable. I mean, most of these guys don't, they've never had to communicate with an adult. I'm going to be completely honest. Hmm. Right. Yeah. I mean, football has been or their lives, everything simple things like shaking hands or like how to eat at a dinner table. I mean, Mm. sometimes when guys are chewing tobacco on the plane next to like an 80 year old lady, if you ask them to take it out, they're like surprised, (laughs) you know, like these common courtesy things are just different culturally. Yeah. Um, And I mean, if, if at the basics, there's a disconnect right there, I feel like having coffee would be more intimidating. Sure. Cause at the end of the day, we are all people. So if you can just kind of break that barrier and sit down with someone, I'm sure if you're, you know, humble, Anyone with any experience is willing to, you know, uh, be patient with you. But to even get that initial start, I think it's the mountain that people haven't even thought about trying to overcome, which is sad. It's unfortunate. They do use a lot of social media. A lot of people do try mm-hmm. and take advantage of that. But a little bit of education on how to uh, maximize it, I think, would go a long way.
0: Mm-hmm. We we're talking a little bit about sports growing up. And I think, like, I think playing competitive sports taught me a lot of that. So, yeah, I understand growing up in different parts of North America, culturally, there's going to be differences in terms of the way you, you brought up. But in terms of like the communicating with people, respecting el- like older people and coaches and that kind of stuff, I feel like it came from sports a lot of the time. So it, it's interesting that the communication side sometimes struggles um, because I, well, I assume if they're playing professional football that they grew up playing team sports.
2: Yeah. I feel like the, it's much easier in football because it's communication within a subject that they know. Sure. So the, the way that I've kind of found value in football is, uh, you know, I was never a good, I was never a good student. But I did realize that, you know, two, three years into playing football at the University of Connecticut, through taking notes in the football meeting room, significantly helped me in the classroom. Mm. Luckily, I've been, I mean, I, my mom was an English second language teacher. My dad's a soccer coach, so I was brought up with, you know, trying to find the process of how to learn. Yeah. So the community, there is communication both in sports and in the real world, but I think it's because it's not within a subject that they know it makes it incredibly uh, intimidating. So, but like you said, I mean, it's very similar it shouldn't be that difficult. Um, so there should be something ready, but people aren't willing to learn or step out of their comfort zone. Totally. There's not much you can do for them.
0: I love talking about like <clears throat> the mental side of sports because I think, like I've mentioned multiple times, is like I learned so much from team sports growing up that is applicable to business life or personal life or just building relationships with people, whatever, it, confidence in anything. Um, Mindset is something I love talking about. Where, as a professional athlete, how tough is it to stay super motivated day in and day out in a ridiculously grueling sport like football?
2: Good question. Do you mean um, more from like in season or as a career?
0: Both. Both? Um, I guess let's start like short term. So you're... What, nine, halfway through the season, nine or 10 games in?
2: Yeah, well, we're 11 games in. So 11, we've got games seven in? left.
0: Okay. So you're like yeah. halfway through the season. I know you guys aren't doing as well as you'd like to be doing. <laughs> <laughs>
2: true, true.
0: Is it, is it tough to stay super motivated to get better every day in I a season that is maybe underperforming?
2: In the past, uh, I would definitely say yes. Yeah. Uh, in the university of Connecticut, we did have a lot of losing seasons and, uh, it was pretty terrible, uh, the culture on the team and mm. that definitely affects each individual and their desire to get better yeah. with the Ottawa red blacks. We are extremely blessed to have coach Rick Campbell as our head coach, mm. watching him manage the team and our men, our mental state and our psychology, how we approach the sport has been absolutely incredible. Um, because I do remember when I first got drafted here, the only thing that he said when he pulled me aside was, we just want people to want to come to work here. Uh, and that's always stuck with me because he must sit, tell everybody that's on the team because although we don't have, we're don't we not having the ideal season, he's done an amazing job at teaching us to take it one day at a time. And in the morning, not every single morning, but we have we start off with the team meeting, so everyone's in there. And when he introduces our special teams coach, he introduces him as if he's a DJ or as if he's like a performer. He goes, everybody get off your seats for coach Bob Dice. And uh, and like 60 guys will jump up and just like (laughs) scream, bang on the walls, you know, clap. And um, man, for a team that's three and nine, that's pretty, pretty rare. And I don't want to say that it's, you know, it's false or, you know, we don't understand that we're losing, but the fact that he's able to create a culture where we want to come to work and you don't focus on losing or the loss that you have on Saturday, you focus on every single day and you try and get better every single day. So at the end of the day, it comes down to enjoying what you do in your craft. Yeah. When I was younger, I was a little more egotistical. I think I, you know, what my friends saw on Facebook really affected how I felt and how motivated I was. Mm. But now with a team with 60 guys that are committed to getting better and that enjoy playing football, it's become pretty easy. So I'm I'm definitely enjoying it. Um, so that's during the season. And if we were to talk about like a career-wise, um, I would say, yeah, it's difficult. And uh, I think it's fantastic because the people that don't have the consistency or the patience, they get weeded out and they don't play professional football. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's phenomenal how simple it is.
0: Do you... Can you look back on like a specific moment of weakness where either there was thoughts going through your head, like, why am I doing this? I'm just beating up my body. I could be doing something else, starting a career earlier in life or whatever it is. Definitely. Um,
2: <laughs> honestly, I probably thought that every single day up until like two years ago. Because <laughs> it was up until two years ago where every single day was a fight and I hadn't established myself you know, to the league to myself that I was a dominating player. Yeah. Um, so,
0: sorry, what was the question again? Well, I guess outlining like when you've had mental moments oh, yeah. of weakness That's and then why. kind of like what pushes you through, how do you get through them?
2: Um, so if I were to say, I haven't told this story in long to many people at all. Uh, so in the University of Connecticut, I mean, one weakness was a couple of years ago in the red blocks when I was having a tough camp. But uh, one that was probably like the, um, I guess the most impactful mm-hmm. was at the University of Connecticut. I, it was after the year that I had sat out. So, my third year in university. Yep. At that point, you should be an established player. So, the new school, they had me at center. I was supposed to be the new guy, I was supposed to take over. Um, but in my personal life, I've always had a tough time sleeping always been something that i've like battled uphill ever since i was like 10 or 12 Mm -hmm. and with the stress of camp and trying to be everything that you've always wanted to be i just like wasn't sleeping during camp and that's tough when you have two two two-hour practices a day um so by like day three or four i was just like like hallucinating man like so stressed out so stressed out my whole identity was wrapped up in the success that i had in football which at the time wasn't a lot Mm -hmm. um so it was one day i just like the third or fourth day i just didn't have anything in me i and then i was locked up against a defensive lineman and he shed me so he like pulled me down to the side and i landed on like our, our star player's defense like his knee and he went down he was out for like three weeks of camp and so like just that practice and like having that happen right away was so overwhelming i I had to let, I waited till everyone left the field, like walked to like a little bench on the side, like just broke down. Cause at that point, you don't really have anything else. Mm. Um, but like everything, the reason why we got, you know, two friends in the room here, I had a really good friend at, at UConn. Um, and so he kind of just came over and sat with me and, um, didn't even really say anything. Cause you can't really, you can't really change anyone's mind. You can't, change their lives but you can show a little bit of support and that was probably the the moment out of you know 28 years of playing competitive sports everything that was probably the most difficult time mentally testing most i've ever doubted myself um but that was a pass and it's worked out
0: so what gets you over that hurdle like the next morning how are you waking up to go back to camp what are you telling yourself in your head Um, I feel like
2: the same thing that every athlete is told when they get knocked down, just get up, just get up, whatever it is, basketball, soccer, hockey, you don't, if you're focused on the, if you focus on the failure, then you're wasting your time. If you just focus on your craft, then you're at least going to be distracted. Mm. So uh, I feel like that's probably the easiest thing. I'm not going to lie. It probably helps in football, the fact that you can let out aggression by running full speed into <laughs> someone. <laughs> so uh, I think that that, uh, that did help. But at the end of the day, you just got to wake up and just get after it every day. You know, Better to just keep distracted and, uh, and then it should end up working out.
0: Do you do much mental preparation like going into game days? I would
2: say that uh like 90% of my preparation is mental.
0: Is that? Yeah. Especially
2: now that I'm much more familiar with schemes and uh the game up here we also play against each team twice so over the years it ends up being similar players that you're Mm -hmm. going against Um, but most of my preparation is mental whether it be watching film for you know two hours a day three hours a day or going through the playbook or just like you know closing your eyes and going through the plays Um, I've always found that the mental work was always there has always been more efficient than the actual physical work, uh, the older that I get. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the most specific, and I feel like I always have better better games when I prepare mentally like that. If I get in the float tank for like a day day or two beforehand, some real visualization there, and I notice a difference. Do
0: you like that thing? love it. Yeah? I've never done it. <laughs> I think I need to do that, it, Carl. That's I the need... sensory
1: deprivation tank that you're talking about, right? Or is it something else? Yep, the sensory, sensory
0: yeah. deprivation yeah. tank.
2: I need one, I need a sensory deprivation tank, hot and cold tub and a sauna in my house at some point. So that's the priority. I love the thing. I've also been pretty lucky in the past. I've had help um, with good coaches or good mentors, whether it be through, you know, judo or anything else, but having help with, uh, you know, learning the importance of conscious breathing is tremendous. Uh, I think there's value everywhere. Uh, that can be used everywhere. And um, I think that's one of the biggest things. And it comes down to mental preparation. If there's too much to think about, you almost just count your breaths, try and control it. Yeah, and I think it's incredible. everyone should kind of apply that. And it helps in the sensory deprivation tanks because those things are cool. <laughs> <laughs> it is a skill. I feel like the more you the more you do it the better you get at it. Yeah. Um so it took like, you know, 2 3 times cuz the first couple you're just floating around. It's so weird. <laughs> <laughs> uh but once you get used to it it's pretty incredible.
0: Do you stay in place or do you like hit the sides of the thing? Like are you just floating?
2: So I found that one time uh if you if you like little subtle thing, if you get in the the tank like fast, then I feel like it keeps the water moving even if it's like a little bit yeah. for maybe 20 30 minutes. Yeah. So if you get in really slow, I think I feel like it keeps the water a little more, uh, you know, still. But you do hit the wall from time to time. Um but you kind of get you just get better at it and you just forget and it's it's really cool. Yeah, you guys should try it out. Oh,
0: yeah. I want to try it no. Me too.
1: Oh yeah. Have you uh have you gotten better with your insomnia? Has that gone better? Have you done anything for that?
2: Yeah, I've done a few things for that. I mean, I took advantage of the uh, the mental health resources in, at the University of Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Um, for anyone out there that has any help through your job or anything, please take advantage of it. There are professionals for a reason. And the best way that it was explained to me was, as an athlete, I train every every part of my body. Mm-hmm. You know, cardio and anaerobic strength. Might as well get a coach for your mental totally uh, state. So through a lot of that, uh, it's definitely helped a little bit. And if I if I float, I do have better sleeps. But um,
0: it's uh, it's a whole book of uh,
2: paths that we're trying to cross.
0: Yeah. Do you? I'm assuming as a football player that gets beat up once a week, I uh, do the beating up. <laughs> <laughs> but you're right, you're right, you're right. Physically, you're just like probably. You know what? I played quarterback in high school. I feel like I respected the my line a lot and said thank you a lot. But I wish I did more for them. Looking back, and now I'm a huge football fan too now. Well, specifically the Seahawks <laughs> who potentially is are gonna be Super Bowl champs this year. I called it first. Don't worry about it, Carl. <laughs> DK Metcalf is legit. <laughs> it's a new receiver. That's cool. He's a freshman. Or he's a rookie. If Brady's um,
2: still playing, he's got a shot. No,
0: Brady sorry. sucks. I'm sorry. No. He's like 49. does the matter. Go home, man. I don't like that guy. No. <laughs> <laughs> I was telling Jordan the other day, I'm like if I ever saw Russell Wilson in the street, I'd give him a kiss. I'd kiss him. <laughs> straight up kiss him. And then she's like, what do you think? Of, or we were talking about the Patriots and she's like, what do you think about Brady? I was like, i punch that guy in the nose. Lots, I'm, lots I'm of punch. people say they would. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> What was I say? I don't know. <laughs> oh, respect the O line, man. Fuck. They don't get any glory, but man, what a grueling position. Every single play. As quarterback, like let's say 50% of the game, you just take four steps and hand the ball off. Sure, it's a little more technical to that, but I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. Um but you guys are just getting beat up every single play. So it's gotta be so grueling on your body.
2: Uh it's definitely it, it's tough on the body. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, defensive lineman or offensive lineman for sure. And that's one thing that is, I feel, is overlooked greatly. Is the fact that you have to take into account that almost every football player that you watch playing professional football is broken in some way. (laughs) (laughs) They're they're not playing healthy. This is not like if you have a little bit of like a calf strain, you're not playing. If you have a broken finger, you're playing. If you have a broken ankle and you can tape it, you're going to play.
0: Well, how many O-line guys have their whole hand, arm taped up, right? They got one mallet and one hand.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Just put a little extra weight (laughs) and swing it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's definitely a physical position. It's tough. It's uh, tough on your body. Um, I do find that, uh, you know, you almost take a little bit of pride in that. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to. And I used to... Well, first off, from a quarterback, thank you so much for saying that you should have done more with your offensive line. 100%. I wish we I did. We all appreciate that. That's one thing that offensive linemen are, uh, we are grateful for, uh, for, you know, a little bit of recognition. Hmm. When you're younger, it's easier to get hung up on the no stats and the right. fact that you're only kind of called on when you do something wrong. Um, totally, eh? but as a professional, totally. Oh, 100%.
0: <laughs> There's no praise at all for your position. None. It's just yelling at you for, holding. <laughs> right? that's right.
2: you for holding. And then the running back just gets these 200 <laughs> yards by himself. Yeah. You know, like nothing, yeah. no one in front blocking <laughs> for him. Uh, that's why I find it so funny. Like when, if I'm watching on, on like, you know, social media or whatever, and it talks about, it shows like a running back's run. It's like, Oh look, he did such a good job. He like stepped over this guy. Mm-hmm. Like, well, they physically moved a grown man to get him out of the way. So you could run. Yeah. Um, but as a professional, I mean, I think we, find, we take so much pride in our job that, uh, that you know, it trumps not getting that recognition uh, because we have the respect from our players totally. and from our teammates. That is, that's almost enough to kind of keep you going. And uh, and within like an offensive line, I feel like if you're a good O-line, just the bond within, you know, between each other, I mean, you can't replace that. It doesn't matter what anyone's going to tell, tell you in terms of good sack, good, you know play or whatever um when i'm fighting during the game if i look at the four guys beside me and you can tell in their eyes that they're ready to ride for you i mean you can't replace that it doesn't matter what tv or anything says what a receiver says it feels like the score a touchdown i'm sure it's pretty unreal but i don't know to go into a fight with four boys that you trust (laughs) that's a hell of an experience
0: what does your weekly recovery scheme look like Sleep, sleep,
2: sleep. Yeah, uh, that's always been a priority for me, um, and I feel like it's the best thing. Uh, for me, I've been pretty good at uh, like keeping most of my body healthy. My shoulders are a little uh, take a little more managing than than most, mm-hmm. uh, but for the most part, it's my hands. Uh, so my weekly recovery, usually two three hours a day, uh, I'll go one. I bought three pots from IKEA. And fill one. You fill one with uh, boiling water, like hot water, one with ice water, and then one with uh, rice. And uh, you just go hot water for a minute, cold water for a minute, with you're, your hands. Yeah, interesting. You just rotate that maybe like 10, 15 minutes to get like fresh blood and movement. And if you're doing that before you're gonna get your hand in the rice bucket, you're gonna do more hot. Yeah, more blood flow. Your hands warmed up.
0: What does the rice do?
2: Uh, it uh, provides resistance. Uh. So, based on how far you put your hand down, it will provide the resistance for when you open and close your hand or you move your wrist. Mm-hmm. and so it's easier to um, to work on like fingers individually. And so I'll probably do that for like 10 15 minutes and then I've got a couple other like grip things or you know hand dexterity exercises. Then once your hand's a little bit sore, you go hot and cold for another 20 minutes, <laughs> And you sit down for another thirty and then you do it all again. You just do that all day every day until you fall asleep.
0: Do you use any like supplements, painkiller type stuff after games or no? Not so much.
2: Yeah. Um, do
0: many guys use uh, like cannabis, like CBD oils and stuff like that?
2: Definitely. Yeah. Uh, a lot of guys do. Uh, I, I wish we got a little more um, help with that, a little more guidance. Hmm. Even, I know well,
0: even just the education on it is so minimal, right? Because it just came legal in Canada, the research is so small. Which should
2: be much, it should be much bigger. Like I'm pretty lucky because I have like a relationship with the team doctors. I mean, I've been there for five years Mm -hmm. and I'm more than, um, I'm more than happy to kind of put myself in a compromising position just to kind of better my health. It always ends up working out. Mm -hmm. Um, But there should be a little more information on this because whether it's CBD or not, they haven't really tested for cannabis and the CFL for a long time. Hmm. And just from my experience, I noticed it, no, one, eh? I didn't know no that. one yeah, that for a long time. Okay. Um and I mean I can't think of any players up here that are like that have ever itched for any opioids or anything. And well, you hmm. know, based on how beat up you are, you'll take some Advil and Tylenol. If you're really beat up the the physicians or whatever they'll give you some Toradol. Um but for the most part, I mean if you're sore for a day or two, people are pretty content with, you know, a little bit of cannabis. And then after a day or two and a couple 11-hour sleeps, like, it makes a difference. You need yeah. to get back. So Interesting you ask that question.
0: Do you use cannabis? I do. Do you... Did you previously use painkillers? No.
2: No, okay. I didn't previously use painkillers.
0: Okay. Are guys, like, kind of making the transition from painkillers to cannabis? Or is it just um, a separate product that a lot of guys have been using for a long time anyway
2: i think it's a separate product okay. that a lot of people are using uh just you know it's just new in cfl sure um if you were to like i would really like to see if you, if in the nfl they gave them some education and some resources for cannabis how much that would take over the uh like the opioid crisis because they, they hand them out like smarties down there to the players you know and uh and it's pretty sad So if there was a, and and more than just kind of like the pain management, the stress management as well, like psychologically, you know, all sports, but especially football takes so much out of you. So in my experience, like with younger guys, I mean, sometimes, you know, for lack of a better term, you kind of want to get fucked up or you want to enjoy your day, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's a Saturday and you can't really party. You're away from home. You're away from your kids you can't really drink because you'll feel it for 12 hours afterwards being that like, you know, our bodies are pretty well-tuned machines. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like in the States, when guys couldn't smoke cannabis and they just or you know, ingested or whatever it is and they're getting drunk or they're doing whatever they can get their hands on, that'll be out of their system in three days. Um, whereas up here, like everyone's pretty docile. <laughs> everyone's pretty <laughs> in terms of football players, guys on the team, like, there are very little issues. Not a lot mm. of people have to, you know, uh, that are in trouble or anything. Um, I haven't seen many negative, other than the fact that um, maybe some some people who are inherently lazy or aren't good teammates or loyal to each other, I think that's affected them. Mm. But, uh, but those qualities are probably already in them uh, right away. So uh, I, I love that people in, in Canada can use it because it's, uh, it's pretty awesome.
0: What do you think, Carl?
1: That's pretty good. Good. Because, like, you know, the NFL has been super, super strict with weed for, mm-hmm. like, forever now. And yep. it's just, I just, I don't get it.
0: Like, Is it still? I also... It, it's still. Because um, it's its not legal across the country, right? Yeah. Yeah.
2: So, from what I've heard, in my friends, or people that have played in the NFL, um, unless you have, like, previous infractions, they don't test you during the season. I think it's, like, an initial test before the season starts, mm. which a lot of people still fail. Um, so I, I think that it's like they don't they don't agree with it, but I think they do understand that it's really tough to kind of eliminate, but just the fact that there's still this uh you know, it's still looked down upon is uh is tragic, honestly uh but i do I do think that they in
0: the NFL, a lot of these guys are smoking pot. <laughs> Ricky Williams. Ricky <laughs> to the CFL <laughs> What's uh What's your prediction for tomorrow night? Uh, prediction for tomorrow night's a
2: big old dub for the Red Blacks. <laughs> um, we made we made some changes and we keep on progressing and you know guys aren't guys aren't stopping fighting yet and um sometimes it's nice on on an away trip where everyone kind of gets away from their families and maybe they get a couple hours of sleep maybe a little bit more preparation mm-hmm. um so I'm really excited to get going and we're definitely gonna come out with the win tomorrow.
0: Traveling a lot. Do you like being on the road? Because I feel, you can tell me I'm wrong, but I feel like there'd be a lot of downtime. Especially if you're here for three nights. Like you're practicing a few hours, maybe a day. You're probably watching film a couple hours a day. Then there's a bunch of hours that you're just going to, like what are guys doing um the night before the game? Going out for dinner and just kind of laying low?
2: Yeah, going out for the game and laying low. Um There isn't a crazy amount of downtime just based on like how they schedule the traveling. Yeah. Um, you maybe have like a couple hours every day. Maybe you guys will go to the casino, or maybe a few guys will go out. <laughs> Sounds <laughs> dangerous. <laughs> Hopefully, they do that after the game, not before. Um, but uh, but yeah, there's a little bit of downtime, but not that much. I don't, I don't mind traveling. Um, but I would much rather like travel in style or uh, not sit next to someone. <laughs> uh, so sometimes if there's like, you know, in the seats, in the rows of three, if there's a middle seat open and, and you know, a football player on each side, whereas I might be sitting next to someone, I might pay one of them for the, to sit next to an open seat. Cause to me, it's worth it. Mm. Um, plus, uh, I love traveling to Vancouver cause the sushi we had today, <laughs> man, every time we come here, it's out of control.
0: What sushi place do you go to? Uh, Kadoya. Is that downtown?
2: Where is it? It's on uh, like Davies and Berard.
0: Mm. There's like just the, so many good spots, man.
2: Down the street from us and someone who's like played in CFL for a long time suggested it. Good. And I don't mind traveling. I'm hanging out with the guys and so on. Mm. Uh, if I had a family, I think it'd be a little more difficult. Totally. Yeah.
0: Sweet. That's all I really got for
2: you. Well, guys, thank you so much for having me. It was a pleasure. I'm excited to
0: come see you play tomorrow. Yeah, man. Four tickets. Super pumped. Yeah. Carl's coming with me. Awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm pumped too.
2: It should be good. I'll uh, I'll I'm like pumped. I'll just spray some water up to you guys or something. <laughs> I usually a football. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I usually go to like maybe one or two Lions games a year, yeah. but I haven't been this year yet, so I'm pumped to go see you.
2: Awesome. I hope it should be a good one. I mean,
0: I
1: love I love CFL games. It's mm-hmm. always a good time. You're just hanging out with your friends watching football. It's good.
0: The yeah. stadium is not the best. Like it's just too big. <laughs> like it's sixty something thousand seats. It's crazy. I don't think they open the upper deck anymore today. No. Just for like playoff games or something. But yeah, it's a little bit big stadium, but they're always so much fun. Like fans are hilarious in Vancouver. Are they? Oh, people just get hammered at <laughs> CFL games. <Yeah. laughs> the, interestingly enough, the Canucks games are not good anymore. What? It's so corporate. Canucks haven't been very good for a few years, mm-hmm. which obviously brings the fan base down. And so I went to one or two maybe hockey games this year and both were like half full and it's really? like a lot of corporate tickets. And during play, it's just dead quiet in the arena. Whereas CFL games are a little bit more of a party. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Which I would, if I'm a fan, I'd want it like that. Yeah. Like the totally. corporate stuff, it's people are just getting tickets because their businesses have them. Exactly. It's like not real. You don't feel any emotion or anything yeah. like that. Even though like, and both the BC Lions aren't doing that great this year. Mm-hmm. And the Red Blacks are not doing that great we're still going to fight to not be the worst team. (laughs) So it uh, it should be a banger tomorrow.
0: That's what kind of like got me to fall in love with the Seahawks is just that stadium is unbelievable. It's like no other sporting environment I've ever been in. It's just insane. The fans are so passionate and they're yelling every single defensive play. Uh It's crazy, which is so cool. Like that. I I love that football culture. Fans are nuts.
2: It's amazing. And you need that in the sport. You For need sure. people that are willing to just fully commit and just scream their brains out just cuz you know, in support of their team. Do you get to go to games uh, often? Like how many do you get in to go to a year? Yeah.
0: I went to 3 last year. Probably go to 2 or 3 this year. It's was, so close right? It's 3 hours. 3 hours isn't bad.
2: Yeah. To sit in that stadium, 12th man.
0: Yeah. Tickets must be a little hard to come by though, eh? I they're not. You just get them off Ticketmaster or Craigslist or something it's not like that. Bad. Depends. So, I don't want to reveal my secret, but I will because I love our listeners, Carl. (laughs) If you buy tickets like a week before the game, they'll be double the price of the night before or the day of. So, just wait. And literally, I'll go down there Saturday night, wake up in the morning at 8 a.m., look at my computer, and buy tickets that morning. Really? Yeah. And so, you'll get lower bowl tickets. Last year, I got lower bowl tickets on the 20-yard line for 160 bucks US each. And that is ridiculously cheap. That's an unreal price. The week before, they're three hundred.
2: Yeah, good for you. You're welcome, fans. Now everyone knows, though. <laughs> so there's because not going to be any here. left for me.
0: Everyone's <laughs> going to do it the night before. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah, I would love to go to one of those games. I mean, I love the sea of green, the colors they have. Is uh,
0: Wilson still there? Oh yeah, he just signed a four-year, hundred and forty million deal.
2: I really like him. I mean, I don't know him personally. I've never met him. Mm. <laughs> but from what I see, uh like all his interviews are great. Go Seahawks. Absolutely. <laughs> Every single time he finishes. Go Hawks. Yeah, yeah. Go Hawks.
0: <laughs> he uh he's such a fun guy to watch, right? And yep. he's just such a raw, raw team guy. So, I would assume in the locker room like people love him. So. But like the fans are just obsessed with him. Everyone loves him in Seattle. He yeah. is one guy that has done obviously it's easier in the nfl with all their marketing money but he's a guy who's done a phenomenal job like building personal brand So after football he's he's gonna be a celebrity forever yeah because obviously he's a top five quarterback in the nfl for a long time he's been but just how good he's done at like every whatever tuesday morning or something he goes to the children's hospital and like hangs out with kids and really does a bunch of charity work and he's all over social media like he's done a really good job building personal brand outside of football too which is cool using the stardom for a lot of good things good for him
2: yeah when people like people like him it's awesome to see him doing that because it, you know they need that example absolutely we need that example so
0: that's unreal good for him how cool is it for a kid to see like a superstar like that come in when they're like battling cancer or like you know whatever they're dealing with can't imagine yeah.
2: Can't imagine. And I'm sure I'm sure it uh, you know, it gives so much back to his life. Absolutely. Uh, totally. Anything more than theirs. Totally.
0: Good luck tomorrow night. Thank you so much. Come to watch it
2: Appreciate it. Excited to see you.